How are you all? So encouraging, isn't it, listening to Annabelle? I think, uh, I think we need to train some people to do crossroads in Australia. I feel it. And just see Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, Darwin, and, uh, you know, need to send some people out there, I think. Anyway, many years ago, I was um, at a, I wasn't actually at this Bible Week, I was listening to the tapes, it was Bryn Jones at the Dales Bible Week, 1983. Those of you who remember Bryn Jones, he was a mighty man of God way back when, Welsh. You may have come across his brother, Kerry, who came to visit us not long ago, a few years now, yeah. Anyway. Bryn, um, he was talking about we cannot live in the world of if only. Uh, Too often, as human beings, we look back and think, oh, if only I hadn't done that. If only I hadn't made that mistake. If only I hadn't made that decision. If only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only. And we live under that sort of blanket of condemnation, and regret. And you all know the song, My Way, Regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. What a strange line that is. But um, a lot of people do live with regrets. And today I'm going to be talking with some others about what if. We're going to be talking about the imagination. Because God's been speaking to me a lot over the last, oh, I don't know, a long time, really, about my imagination, what I use it for, and he's been helping me harness it, and we'll be talking about that later. Using our God-given imagination in prayer and worship. In Romans 4, 17, it says, we call into being things that are not, as if they are. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Call into being things that are not, as if they already are. What does that actually mean? So, taking hold of... Oh, yeah, here we go. It's talking about Abraham, our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not, as though they were. So, we take hold of something in prayer and say, God, I believe for this. I'm holding on for this. And we can harness our imaginations in that. It won't necessarily look as we imagine when it's fulfilled. I think that's important. You hear, I once heard an interview with Steven Spielberg and another one with Woody Allen. They said pretty much the same thing. Great filmmakers, I'm big fans of filmmakers, And they said, you know, you write a script and then you go to produce it and actually do the filming. And suddenly you come across constraints you didn't know were there and it doesn't quite look like you imagined it. But you adapt it and you shape it and the film becomes something almost different to how you originally imagined it. And sometimes that, frequently that happens with God as well. We have our imagination and the Bible says he can do infinitely more than we can air, 
ever ask or imagine. And so our imaginations are wonderful things, but they are limited. And yet, nevertheless, I want to talk about using our imagination this morning. When we pray for healing, we are calling into being something that we cannot yet see as though it is. We are declaring healing over a body. When we have a picture, we're calling into being something, and it's sometimes metaphorical, so we're, you know, imaginary images and stuff. So Angela's picture of a window in heaven. Suddenly we can all picture that, we can see it, it's very vivid. God speaks to us using our imaginations. When we pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus, to know Jesus, we imagine what it might be like when they do. How might they change? How might their lifestyle be affected? When we look at a seemingly impossible situation, one that seems like it will never change, and we pray about it for years and years, and it just doesn't seem to change. Nevertheless, our loving Heavenly Father has a hand that can reach down and transform that situation in the twinkling of an eye. So how can we harness the imagination for the kingdom of God? Jeremy. Just use the handheld mic and make it easier than just spending ages switching that around. Um, we were talking just a little bit last night about this topic of the imagination. And um, as we were talking, I, I just kind of felt to stop and consider just how amazing the imagination actually is. And it's something you don't often think about. Um, but it is a really incredible thing that we have going on inside of us. It's almost like this, this constant movie that's playing forever in our minds uh, with pictures and thoughts and emotions. And, and it's incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. Even the most powerful computer that's in existence doesn't compare with what we have inside of here. Um, the memories that we have, the hopes, the dreams, this kind of storehouse of stuff that's going on inside of our heads. And it made me realize that it is a God-given thing. It's the way he's designed us. And he didn't have to design us like this. So he could have designed us just to experience things through our senses, through what we touch and taste and see. But he didn't have to give us this imagination that, that goes beyond that and, and has just this world of images and pictures. Um, and I was thinking about it, and I, I realized that we use our imagination, if you like. Our, our imagination is called upon when our senses and the things that we can touch uh, no longer supply what we need to fulfill our purpose. So if you feel we have something we want to do and we, that's burning on our hearts and, and the things we can touch and, and taste and see and manipulate can't get us to that goal, then our imagination is called upon and we either think of a solution or we dream up something that doesn't yet exist. And, and this is really the, the use of imagination. If you think about it, that's exactly what God did. You know, he created the world from nothing. He was there at the beginning and nothing existed and yet he drew upon his resource of infinite wisdom and power and knowledge to bring into being things that had never existed before. And we're created in his image, 
And so it's no surprise that, that we have a similar thing going on inside of us, a similar thing in operation, that when things don't exist, when solutions don't exist, and, and problems exist that, that we can't think around, God invites us to call into being things that are not yet, and, uh, and to, to draw upon his wisdom in that. Um, so it's when we reach the end of our senses, it, it kicks into gear. Um, but God also wants to redeem our imagination, because I feel a bit challenged. I've got this immensely powerful thing inside of me, this immensely powerful imagination. What's it being used for? And to what end is, this being, is my imagination being used? What am I dreaming up? Am I thinking about, as Paul says, things that are honorable, just, pure, lovely, and excellent? Or am I thinking according to pride or fear or lust or envy? Am I thinking about myself, as Danny was saying this morning? Am I you know, processing things and imagining things according to what would benefit me or about what God would want and, and to the end of his kingdom? Uh, to what end is all the weight of the resources of my mind being used? Is it for his kingdom or is it for something else? And ultimately, if I'm thinking about how my imagination can be used for his glory and his purposes, it's a supernatural thing I'm, I'm looking for. It's not something I can suddenly decide I'm going to use my, my imagination uh, for, for good now, for God. It's a supernatural thing. I have to ask him to help me. And it's called renewing our minds. And Paul talks about it in Romans 12. It's a supernatural process where we say, God, I'm submitting and surrendering my imagination, all of my thinking, all of these resources I have inside of here, all of my memories and experiences uh, and knowledge to you so that you can redeem it and you can use it to bring change. And I think we're going to talk a bit about this later, this, this process of renewing. Um, so when God touches our imaginations, something amazing happens. And suddenly problems have solutions. And uh, where there's despair, hope can be birthed. Um, it also says in Romans 8, when we set our minds on the flesh, uh, it's death. But when we set our minds on things of the spirit, there's life and peace. And, and so for me, my challenge, my goal and my passion throughout my life is to constantly be setting my mind, submitting my imagination to God, and saying, God, I don't want to live how I used to live, imagining things that, that benefit me, or, or thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great if I achieved this or did this, or, or thinking proud thoughts. But I want to use my imagination for him and let him touch it. So these are just my thoughts. Thank you, Jeremy. It's interesting. Um, what does this look like? As Avril loved to say. <laughs> What does this look like when we harness our imagination? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Being certain what we hope for and certain, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So we don't see it in real life, but we can imagine it. Um, I'm very blessed to do a lot of work with uh, a network called the Cinnamon Network, which uh, takes hold of church-based projects which transform communities. And um, there is a lot of darkness, as John was saying, in the world today. But churches are awakening to the um, opportunities that arise when they work together with civil organizations. Just to give you an illustration, some years ago, a guy called Paul Blakey in Halifax decided 
that he was, uh, was going to do something about the situation on the streets because the police were at the stage of breaking point in Halifax. It was so bad, crime on Friday and Saturday nights, when revelers got out of control and the police had to slam a lot of people in prison. And the prisons, the, the cells were full of people overnight and the police were stretched to breaking point. And so Paul Blakey looked at this and said, I'm going to create an organization of volunteers that help the police on Friday and Saturday nights. So in Chichester, I did some research recently with them in, in Chichester with a church there. When their city angels, as they call them, were on patrol with the police, antisocial behavior was reduced by 58% on Friday nights and 79% on Saturday nights. Violent crime reduced by 67% on Friday and 50% on Saturday nights. Violent crime leading to injury down by 79 and 82%. Massive difference. By Christians, as Chief Constable Giles York said, walking towards problems which other people would normally walk away from. Choosing to give up Friday and Saturday nights sleepless for the whole time. The one in Chichester I really like because they have a coffee van. And so when people come out of pubs and are kicked out of pubs, they then welcome them to the coffee van and chat about their problems until they're sober up or help them if they feel particularly queasy. And so someone had an idea. The light bulb went off, bing, and he thought, what if Christians got involved on a Friday and Saturday night and helped the police so that the town centre is no longer a no-go area. It's somewhere where people can feel safe because they see these city angels walking around with their brightly coloured tabards on. So that's what it looks like, dreaming with God. When Amanda and I moved over from Tottenham, we moved over in part to help set up the Barking Church. It was an empty hall in Grapefields in the corner of an estate. And we had dreams and imaginations about what it would look like. Okay, the reality wasn't quite that. But God used that enthusiasm and passion to see the gospel preached everywhere to establish that church for a time in that place. I remember Dave Halls, who was one of the leaders many years ago, had a, had an, he imagined a team of people going around London on a double-decker bus, stopping the double-decker bus in a park, doing some street theatre, welcoming people on board, preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, healed, set free, delivered, and counselled on the upper deck where we'd have leaflets and maybe TVs and stuff. And from that, the Doulos team was born in 1985. And Amanda and I were on that first team. We didn't have a double-decker bus, sadly. Not then. We later got one for a time. Those of you who were part of Kids Express in the late 80s, 90s will remember the double-decker bus that kept breaking down. But it was one man's dream, and the reality didn't quite look like he imagined it. And Dave would have these crazy ideas. He had lots of them, many of which didn't happen, but many of which led to some groundbreaking work in the church at the time. And so imagination, taking hold of it, and saying, God, renew my mind. What can come of this? A bunch of us met for a few months at the Paisley's house because we wanted, to, we wanted to have a coffee shop. And now, 
for many, for many years, a lot of people have come. Uh, you know, I've spoken to people say, oh, it'd be great to have a coffee shop in this church, wouldn't it? It'd be great to have a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, it would be great. It hasn't, it's not the right time. But somehow, we took hold of something, I think, in the spirit, as we were praying together and seeking, what would it look like? And uh, it just so happened, a building became free, and we thought, okay, let's see what it looks like. So I got onto the internet and Googled how to run a coffee shop, how to set it up. What do I buy? What do I get? Avril found some, um, you know, uh, coffee-making products, which looked pretty reasonable at the time, and off we went. And the rest is history. Yes, it's, it's not easy to run. It still hobbles from time to time. Sometimes we have to close because of lack of staff, but it's going. And we're affecting the community. We're having an impact on the local businesses of Green Lane because we take hold of something. We want to make that place different to how it is. We want Green Lane to look different. What will that look like? Who knows? But it's worth imagining. Some years ago, Tim Raw had a word for me. Tim Raw was a guy in the church for many years. He led worship. Um, he's now leading a, helping to lead a church in Tottenham. He had a word for me, and he said he could imagine steps leading up to a garden and me meeting with Jesus on a regular basis in that garden. And he was talking about my prayer times, learning to spend time quietly with God on my own. And that was a while back, and um, not long ago, I decided to activate that. I said, Lord, what would that look like if I met you regularly in a garden? And so I imagined a garden in my head. And uh, some of it looks like some gardens I've been to, stately home gardens, you know, nicely laid out and so on. Other bits are slightly more chaotic. I could go into a lot more detail. I shan't at this stage. But it's where I meet Jesus. And I talk to him. And he lays out blueprints for me. And we were chatting about um, uh, a few things like... Um, I was think, talking to him about Double Cross because, you know, it's something that's still on my mind, a musical I wrote and we performed a couple of times. And he was, we were talking about what, what the set would look like. <laughs> God cares about these things. So Jesus talks to me. And then I thought, how can I use this to pray for others? And so in the middle of a garden is this huge green space, beautifully laid out green space. And uh, it slopes down towards a forest, and then there's a sea in the distance. Or maybe it's the river of life, I don't know. <laughs> but the sun sparkles off it. And Jesus and I meet there, and we meet in a pavilion that's got flags and fluttering in the breeze. And uh, as I pray for people, I imagine them walking up the green sword, this sort of green patch of grass, towards Jesus. And they embrace him, and then he does something to them. And I make a note of what he does. Because he does something different to everyone I pray for. And I got quite into this, so I got the church phone list, and I prayed for everyone. It was a 2015 phone list, so if you're on it, my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, let's imagine what would happen if Jesus met these people. And people whom I know are, are struggling with their belief... Jesus would walk out from the pavilion 
and go meet them. He would greet them because he loves them. He cares that much. Those who are more bold would go up to him and meet him and greet them, greet him. It's a marvelous thing to watch and to be part of. And uh, then after that, sometimes I would talk to him or, you know, I'd have to get on with my working day. It's about sitting quietly, so you can uh, have no idea how tough that can be for me. But throughout this time, I think, what if? And some of you I've shared some of the pictures with. Um, I had one of Caleb Singleton. Um, He was walking up the big patch of grass with an adult sword, a massive great thing. It was like Goliath's sword. You imagine Goliath's sword in a huge great thing, and he couldn't pick it up. And I said, Lord, wouldn't it be better if he had one his size, a child's sword, while he's a small toddler, then at least he can have one he can... And Jesus said, no, 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 let him him play. That's the sword he's going to use, so that's the sword he's got now. He will learn to use it as a young boy. So I told Nathan and Judy, I thought, that boy has got big things happening. Enormous sword. Just one of the many things that Jesus has shown me as I've talked and walked with him in the garden. Amanda. So when I think about that question, what if, um, it sets me dreaming with God. And it could be about your business or your work or your family or you and God or your friends. Um, So God is... Uh, the God of the past, which we know, we know what that is, and the present, we're in that, so we know what that is, but also of the future, which we can't see. Um, It talks about the Alpha and Omega, the one who was and is and is to come in Revelation. So I was looking at Genesis 1, that creative God, to see what he, he did and how he did it. And I think um, he had an idea in mind, like Jeremy Jeremy was saying, for what couldn't be seen. Um, I don't think it was a random day when he just thought, I'll stick some of that there, and oh, there's a bit of a gap there, I'll fill it in, kind of. I think it was purposeful when he created, and it was kind of intricately planned. And that's who he is, and it involves what we can't see. And it says in Romans 11, verse 3, um, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And that which we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So I, I had a look in the message to see how that described the creation. And I loved it because it was like really energetic and intentional. Um, so it talks about the void, the word that's usually described. And it calls it a soup of nothingness. <laughs> and it says, God spoke sky. And God spoke separate to the land and the sea. Earth, green up. Lights, come out. Sun and moon. Swarm, ocean. Earth, generate life. And I love that because it's almost like a voice in that when I read it. And there was a real energy. But I think without 
imagination without God's help. We're only limited to what we can see and what we know. So I, um, I never had a television until I was 12. So, you know, for a good proportion of my childhood, I didn't have a TV. But I used to listen to uh, stories being read on the radio and stuff. And I know I have quite an active imagination, possibly as a result. It doesn't take me long to imagine things. And Jesus talked in pictures. So he captured the imagination. He drew crowds. Um, He used metaphors. He talked about seeds and fish and lamps and yeast and bread and stuff. And suddenly we can picture it when when we hear his stories. Um, There's a great bit in um, Genesis where God says to Abraham, come outside, look up. And your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the, in the sky. So it's God putting that picture in his mind of what is going to come, because he can't see it at that point. Um, so a while back, it might even be years now, I can't remember, when I spoke about hope, I was just going to um, talk about a couple of those stories again. I talked about the story of the father and the lost son, And what it was like when that father stood out, scanning the horizon and looking for the return of his son, um, expectant and waiting. And I I said back then, I wonder if sometimes he saw somebody walking and thought, is it him? No, it wasn't. It was somebody else. But it put in mind for him what that would look like on the day when his son did come home. Um, And I said that sometimes I have a picture and I imagine, with my imagination, (laughs) uh, you know, where would this person sit if they came to church, if I brought them, if they met with God? Would they sit here? Would they sit in the funky, youthy, middly bit where I sit? (laughs) You know, would they sit there where where it might be a bit louder and stuff like that? But I imagine these things. Or I imagine what wholeness would look like for somebody or for a restored relationship. Imagine that conversation that those two people would have together. Or it could be for provision. Imagine your testimony. And I was was thinking about this yesterday. I thought there's testimonies brewing here today that are not yet finished, but they're, they're kind of being formed. They're being created as, as we're living out with God. Um, so I have a little, little film clip here, which is always a risk. And it's a bit from The Theory of Everything, which is the story of um, Stephen Hawking, who's a very famous, clever scientist man. And when I saw this film, I really liked the film, but there was one particular scene which made me sit up in my chair, and this is it. Professor Hawking, you have said you do not believe in God. Do you have a philosophy of life?
Mm. So out of the whole film, which I did enjoy, that was one scene that stuck with me. And it captured my imagination in that moment of when when reality is put aside and just in that little sequence when he's, you know, everything is suspended and you just see that alternative take place. And I don't know whether that's uh, uh, based on anything real. I don't know whether he was in a conference once and he saw a pen dropped and thought, well, I really wish I could move down there and pick that up for that girl. Or whether it was something that the script writer, um, you know, came up with as a good a good scene for a film. But it got me dreaming, you know, not only what would that look like if if that guy was touched by Jesus, <laughs> what would that conversation be that he might have with God? But then my next thought was, <sighs> what would that look like down Green Lane if, if that kind of transformation took place? And, and I'm Jesus when I walk down Green Lane. <laughs> And you know that what would that look like in in to, for someone to be transformed like that in that moment? So it set me thinking. Um, there was another example which I used before. So I talked about the time when Jeremy wasn't able to go to school, and I've, we've told this story um, quite a few times. Um, he could read, but he couldn't read because his anxiety was so high. He could write, but he couldn't write because the anxiety was so extreme. Um, and in the middle of that awful time, God gave me like a photograph picture one day. He was about 10 years old at the time, of him in a graduation gown. And it, he was just looked over his shoulder in this gown like that. And I just thought, wow. And it took me from what where we were and what we were seeing in reality to something that could could be in the future. And it gave us a hook to pray into. Um, so in Romans 4, 17, um, it says, Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Now, last week, I was listening to um, Alan Fitch tell his story again at the hub and I did say at the end if if I heard that story every week I would still want to hear it again I never tire of that amazing story of transformation for him so some of you may not know his story I'll just give a brief idea so um he at an early age and from an early age until his 30s was um suffered from severe anxiety and depression, agoraphobia, couldn't leave the house, basically. So I was thinking in the light of today, could... Alan's coming up to 78, yeah? Mm -hmm. So could the 20-year-old Alan have imagined himself alive at 78, free and able to leave his house where you stayed in for practically eight years at that time, let alone travel the world, as we were hearing the other week, restored. But I believe God had that in mind back then. Uh, and God is not stumped by complex problems. 
and he dreams and creates and he knows the plans. Um, so one of the most famous artists in history, in art history, that you may have heard of is Michelangelo, who did many, many paintings and sculpture, sculptures, a very famous one of David. But there's a quote which I came across yesterday that says this, when he looks at a lump of marble, we might, we might just see a lump of marble, but being a creative person as an artist, he says, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. And I was thinking of that in the light of Alan, actually. And I thought, God looked at Alan, and it's like he kept going until he was set free. And I think that is just so powerful, that idea of creativity, when we think what can be, when we look at what isn't yet. Um, so our creative God sees beyond what's naturally there. Hmm. I love that thing about um, Jeremy, the picture of him with his graduation gown. And I could picture it immediately myself when Amanda described it to me because I thought, hmm, I can, I can just see it. Even though at the time we were going through incredible turmoil, um, it gave me a hook. It gave me something to imagine. And I work very much with my imagination. So let's take a minute to reflect what's on our hearts. What's living for us today? What are the things we prayed for earlier, for example, when Daniel asked us to pray? Not necessarily asking God, why hasn't, dot, 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 but what if, dot, dot, dot. Bringing God into that, seeing it from God's perspective. I'm seeing this situation, but I'm seeing it from a human perspective. God, help me see it from your perspective. Help me imagine what you have for this situation. What's God's perspective on people I care about who still don't know God? And I've been praying for them for 10, 20 years. Seems entrenched. What would it look like if that was transformed? If there's a long-term breakthrough in a relationship that needs restoration, what would that look like when it's restored? Imagine the conversation. Imagine the party Struggling with provision. Things seem very tight at the moment for you. Imagine the breakthrough. What would that look like? Imagine your testimony. As Amanda said, there are testimonies being written here and now. Jeremiah 29, something we know well. For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not disaster, to give you future and a hope. But it's about imagining what the future and hope looks like and surrendering our thought life to him. As Jeremy said, 
Our imaginations are very powerful things. The Bible talks about bringing down strongholds in the spirit realm. What are strongholds? Frequently, they are mindsets. They are things in people's minds which say, this is the way it is, and it's never going to change. And God comes in and says, oh, wait a second, that's not my perspective. Am I not the God of all the earth? Can I not do anything? And we read the newspapers and we think, well, that's the situation over there. That'll never change. And yet, communism fell in a twinkling of an eye. We look at situations in nations and think they are impenetrable. I can't imagine them changing, but God has a bigger imagination than us. To be carnally minded, it says in Romans 8.6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And what I want to do now is ask God to help us do that. So could you please stand? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes. Some of you, it's mundane, everyday things you just want to get a breakthrough in, or you want some extra spice of God's power in your life. What would that look like? Some of you thinking through a situation that is impenetrable. Nothing can change it. It's always going to be that way. How can God change this? That's the way that person is. That's the way that situation is. I've lost hope. Some of you have lost hope. But God. Two words I love. But God. What is he saying about that? What little imagination might he drop into your mind of how that might look? We've talked about chat and catch in the past. Fantastic illustration of prayer. So wonderful and simple. What's God asking you to catch now from his throne room about that situation as you chat to him? That relationship that has been a pickle for so long, you can't imagine ever making that right. What's God saying? What's he dropping into your mind about how that can change? Father, we come to you with our minds. They are strongholds. And sometimes we don't use them for the right purposes. Forgive us, Lord. But more than that, Lord, we're excited to know that you can use them for your great good, for your kingdom. Therefore, Lord, we ask you to redeem our minds, renew our minds, restore our minds. And Holy Spirit, come and inhabit our imagination right now. Turn our monochrome worlds into colour. Turn our two dimensions into three dimensions. Turn the old into new. Holy Spirit, come and fill us anew and give us the mind of Christ. Amen.